Welcome to Watching Up. <laughs> Welcome. I'm your host, Michelle. I'm Rachel. <laughs> Coming to you live from a hotel room on the San Antonio Riverwalk. <laughs> I am traveling for business. <laughs> <laughs> Not your business. <laughs> Somebody's business, but... Yeah, today we are going to chat about all the things that you've come to know and love about watching up pop culture, TV, film, and sisterhood. <laughs> We're glad you're here with us. <laughs> What's up, everyone? What up? How are you? I'm all right. Just chilling. I'm jealous that you're in a hotel right now. <laughs> I love hotels. <laughs> Hotel living is fun, but it can also be challenging. For example, I had to stir my coffee this morning with a Q-tip. No. Because I couldn't find anything to stir it with. What? Did you get cotton in your coffee? <laughs> Only the Lord knows. <laughs> wow. I didn't taste sounds... any cotton, but you never know what you're ingesting at the end of the day. <laughs> Who, who's to say? That's none of my business. <laughs> Who can keep track of that? Literally. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm here for a week, which is kind of a long time, but I like a change of scenery. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, you're fresh off of a birthday. Yes. Which we celebrated yesterday. Yesterday was my birthday. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, woo. I'm, She's another year older and none the wiser. No, I think I'm getting less wise, but <laughs> I'm officially 33 and thriving. Yeah. Um, but no, I was the spirit. <laughs> it was nice to be down here because I got to meet up with my family, including my co host, Ra Rachel. <laughs> we met up. Yeah, we got to. Yeah. Go ahead. We met up in Green, Texas, which, if you don't know, is like a little hill country. Oasis, <laughs> where people go to float the river and drink wine and antique shop, mm -hmm. and it's fun. It's a fun little getaway. It is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's in New Braunfels, or it's like, they're kind of like, I don't know, neighboring towns. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's always fun. We have a lot of these, like in the Texas Hill Country, there's a lot of these little like they're like German, but they're not like overtly. They're just like little German towns. Yeah. Uh, Fredericksburg is like the one that's like actually there's like German. Yeah, German settlers <laughs> settled in South mm -hmm. Texas in all the little towns surrounding San Antonio. So yeah, good food and they're fun to go and like shop. Yeah, good vibes. And eat. Yes. <laughs> so we got to do that. Um, and before that, before we came down to San Antonio, I went to the Dallas Art Fair last weekend, um, which was really fun and huge. Like I didn't realize how many works of art there were to see. <laughs> But it's That's cool. it's a big art fair where they like invite galleries from all over the world to come and um, ah. just showcase some of their art. And it's in this big kind of like warehouse where all these booths and 
we only went with like an hour and a half until it closed, but we, I'm sure we could have spent like three hours there. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. And Ooh, I love art galleries. Yeah, me too. I didn't like all the gallerists were like sitting there. They're like, let us know if you have any questions. And some of the <laughs> paintings had prices and some didn't. So I was like afraid to be like, how much? How much? They're, <laughs> they're like, like 4, more than thousand. you can afford, bitch. <laughs> they're like, babe, it's out of your budge. <laughs> babe, don't kid yourself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. Then we drove down to San Antonio Sunday, had my birthday Monday, and Fiesta is also going on in San Antonio. So it's just it's just a fun, vibey time to yeah. be down here. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive in a hotel along the river walk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nothing more we I could ask. Fiesta for. babies. Yes. It's always going on around our birthdays. So Yeah. So I always fun. remember that was like a really fun time um to be to, to like have a birthday but also like specifically in San Antonio because like all the festivities are going mm-hmm. on and like in elementary school we would have all these like special days of like fun activities and like people would come to the auditorium and like give out fiesta medals yeah. and stuff like that and we would have like cascarones cascarones <laughs> yeah my favorite <laughs> it was Meek always didn't like a- know what a cascarone was and we had oh to explain God. it to Uncultured. Him. <laughs> For those of you who don't you know, show you him. dry out an eggshell, you fill it with confetti, you glue some paper, tissue paper on top, and you can like spray paint the outside or like put glitter and decorate the eggs. And then you run around <laughs> when you're a child and you smash them on your friend's heads. Yeah, and so you're covered <laughs> in confetti. And everybody looks cute and confetti-ish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun it was fun yeah, yeah. good times mm-hmm. and I feel like back when like the the San Antonio Spurs were like good mm-hmm. I feel like it was always around like playoffs time mm-hmm. and so like the city was just vibing it was a buzz <laughs> I will say though I've been like walking around downtown obviously because I don't have a car and like it just seems like it's getting revitalized at very a very fast pace and it just seems like a cool place to spend time. So yeah. It's cool. Visit sanantonio.com. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by the city of San Antonio. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> what have you been up to? Except for celebrating well, me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the most exciting thing I did was go to New Braunfels for your birthday. Super um, exciting. Super exciting. We ate at the Gris Mill, which is like the go-to place, I feel like, for people in green. Anyone who's if you're anyone visiting, goes to the Gris Mill. You're going to go to the Gris Mill. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to our favorite antique store that's across the street because yeah. everything is across the street from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The weather turned out to be nice, so... Mm-hmm. How can you complain? You simply can't. <laughs> Other than that, um, all I really did over the weekend was like run errands and shop when I should not be shopping. My favorite pastime. <laughs> yeah, literally. I 
I live near this kind of like big uh, shopping center where like all of my favorite stores are. <laughs> and so I just like went there mm-hmm. and had a time. I went to like Old Navy and I spent way more than I was expecting to. Just tourist things. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Sephora because the sale it just ended I think but the sale was going on and I always get myself into trouble with that (laughs) um so yeah I don't know I feel like I just kind of felt like treating myself (laughs) so that's what I did and you should always (laughs) yeah I got this tower 20 28 Mm -hmm. 22 what is it called 28 lip balm tower 28 lip balm is it balm or gloss? It's balm. But is it, it like has, the in a red tube? Mm-hmm. It has I a tint. I, I wanted it to look like I just ate a popsicle. I, I can't. <laughs> you're a little fuzzy for me, but so I can't really see it. But it looks good from what I can tell. <laughs> uh, they have. They also have a a lip gloss that I wanted to try, but. Mm-hmm. I was in the store and I was like swatching the different glosses and I found this Sephora brand one that was like seemed super like comparable to it and it was like obviously way cheaper and they do a bigger discount on the Sephora brand items and so I just got that and that I like it so far. Nice. Yeah, I always I never yeah. I never think to like look at the Sephora brand or the Ulta brand stuff. Yeah, I don't really either, but unless I hear somebody like raving about something or something like that, but yeah, I won't like go there on my own. What's the word? Fruition? Volition. Volition. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I did this weekend, and I cleaned a little, just just tourist things. <laughs> it's chic. We had a chic old time with our mom and dad. Mm-hmm. It was fun. All right. We can jump on in to content. Yeah, let's do it. Succession? Succession. Want to start with Succession? Why not? Spoiler alert for Succession, Season 4, Episode 5. Spoiler alert, these people don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) These people are out here without a paddle. My review of the last episode is they have no idea what the hell they're doing. (laughs) None of them. (laughs) But you love to see it. But you love to see people with immense power not knowing a damn thing about what they're doing. (laughs) Just flailing. Just flailing, just throwing money around like it's nothing. (sighs) Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Where to start? Flailing on a gondola up up a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) I think the big headline of this episode for me was Alexander Skarsgård. He's so good. He came in like a wrecking ball. He did. He was so good. He really did. He was so good. Like, he took this role and he ate it alive. He was like, I am Madsen and Madsen is me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he, like... I I watched this this like red carpet interview with him at the premiere of the season and it just kind of stuck with me. I don't know if he was joking or not, but mm-hmm. he said something along the lines of like I don't really watch the show. And that kind of like stuck with me because I was like I could see him just like coming in here and like knowing exactly what to do even without any right, like context. Right because that character is such a type. Um, yeah. and there's so many like real life people to like pull 
like personality traits from and like what would they do yeah. and what would they say and how would they act and how would they dress and like all this stuff which I'm sure he doesn't like choose like wardrobe or anything like that but um he just like yeah. he just uses his body so like in a way where you just believe that he's that person um mm-hmm. and like the first yeah the first we saw of him in this episode, I feel like encapsulated it so well when he like walked in with his hood up with and like his hands in his pockets. Yeah. And, yeah. and he just like looked like, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Yeah. But he's just like has all this money and power. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of one of those tech bro type of people. Exactly. Exactly. And even more so like, <laughs> evil because he's like using these people's family trauma to his advantage because he like forced yeah. them to come do this deal like a day after their dad died. <laughs> yeah. Just like evil, evil, evil things are going I know. on. And I feel like it was very satisfying like to not to skip ahead in the episode, but whenever Kier- or whenever Roman had his little like mm-hmm. breakdown moment with him on top of the mountain Mm -hmm. I was like yeah this is what I've been wanting somebody to say this whole episode it's just like fuck you for making us do this like two days after our dad died yeah you couldn't have waited yeah Uh, yeah that was such a good scene right yeah yeah that was really good that was one of my favorite parts there were a lot of good like lines in this episode their jokes are like flowing like really fast on this one um yeah and everybody like I feel like Hugo had moments like he got a couple jokes in I feel like Carl and Frank Jerry and Frank did yeah yeah like everyone is kind of showcased in this one Greg Greg and Tom um Tom yeah I kind of like how Greg kind of stood up to Tom at that one part yeah. And he was like, maybe I, feel like, I can actually help you not look like an idiot with these. Yeah, he was people. like, let me help you. Yeah. Dude. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And he, we saw Tom kind of like flailing in a way that we mm-hmm. haven't really before. Like he kind of was toe to toe with somebody who could give it back to him. Yeah. Um, like in a more effective way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and so that was an interesting scene. Just the way that like the people from Gojo were being like so kind of assholes. <laughs> but yeah, a, it wasn't like like in a different way. You couldn't than tell the if they're being assholes or, or if they're just being Swedish. Like that's yeah. just how like their personalities are. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it also felt very much like new school versus old school, mm-hmm. and like you know the. Alexander Skarsgård's coming in with this like uh initiative to just rebrand and kind of like mm-hmm. you know progress the name of the Waystar company. It wasn't and clear to me the reason he want was gunning to get ATN so badly. And maybe it wasn't yeah. supposed to be or maybe that'll be a reveal later or something. But um I just didn't under really understand that part because I'm like, why would you want to run a conservative American like news organization? Like that doesn't yeah. seem like you'd want to get your hands into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed like he did. That's what I kind of was saying was like he did want to come in and kind of just like gut it and like rebrand it basically. Mm-hmm. But also I was wondering if it was because 
like Logan's out of the picture now and that was his one stipulation. Now he's gone. And so he's like, all right, well, I'm going to get while the getting's good Mm -hmm. and just basically take advantage of the situation. Or maybe he sees it as an opportunity to really like affect American politics in that way and like be able to like, Mm -hmm. he said, he said it's basically a parts shop. So if he just takes it all apart and it's no more like that whole segment of politics goes away and yeah maybe he feels like he can like change something in that way um hey i'm all for it you know like i'm just like there's Let's a lot of possibilities <laughs> um yeah but yeah i didn't really understand so they had the moment on the mountain like roman had his like um soliloquy and like told him to fuck off and then he came back obviously with like an even bigger offer so Mm -hmm. are they still is their plan still to try to kill the deal or are they like because i feel like they would be fucking idiots to walk away from that offer (laughs) right i think it was purposefully left kind of like at a cliffhanger okay um but also i was i was wondering like what his I feel like I feel like Matson has an angle with it, like because he called Shiv afterwards and asked her to send him a picture of their faces. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this just kind of like another fuck you move, or was it? Does he actually like? Does he want it that bad, or like what? What's the deal? Yeah, yeah, that's what maybe it is supposed to be unclear, but I just wasn't really following all that. But I'm sure it'll become more clear as the season moves on. Yeah. So I think my big takeaway and what I kind of found the most interesting was Shiv's kind of arc throughout this episode Mm -hmm. because she's clearly kind of like getting in good with the future boss man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like he already values her because they had their interaction, uh, their one-on-one interaction like at the lodge and then also because he called her afterwards. Mm -hmm after he put in the new offer. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And also she was able to kind of like approach Tom and get somewhat good graces with him. Mm -hmm. Like she kind of manipulated him again. (laughs) She manipulated him, but she also saved him because he wasn't on the kill list. Right. He wasn't on the kill list. So yeah. That was part of it. That was, yeah, part of her tactic. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to see what where this goes. Yeah. And Shiv was sip sipping as a pregnant woman. <laughs> well, I was like, it could be water. So she's just pretending like she's drinking. What's that? No, I, I mean, the character is pregnant. No, that's what I'm saying. I, like her character could have been like sipping water like it was a drink. Well, Matson poured her whiskey and she was sipping that. I don't know if it was whiskey, but he poured her a drink. Oh, okay. And she was sipping that. But yeah, I don't know if the champagne was real or not. But yeah, just kind of interesting. We'll see. Yeah, I saw back and <laughs> forth. Like people are saying she was drinking it. People saying she was pretending to drink it. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was also cocaine, so I don't know. Well, she definitely didn't partake. <laughs> I was keeping a watchful eye. Unless, well, they did kind of cut off that scene, and so I feel like that was purposeful because we, like, don't know what happened between them after that. Yeah. If they continue with their conversation and she was able to, like, kind of steer it in a certain direction. Yeah, I think they left it, like, ambiguous. Yeah. 
So that's also very interesting. I hope that Alexander Skarsgård is in like at least a couple more episodes. It seems like he is uh, according to the next week, next previews, coming up previews. Yay. Yes. Yeah. Um, What else? So um, did you hear that this – so this season, like it's basically structured each episode is a day. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like going to be 10 days and I think it's leading up to the election mm-hmm. and um, I guess that's where it's going to end. So, yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. More to come. More to come. I'm still confused about the election. I don't really know. Like they'll mention names. I'm like, is that a candidate? Like, I don't really know what's going on yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, Jared Mankin is the main one. He's the fascist guy that Shiv hates and Roman loves. Um, mm-hmm. He's played by Jer- something Kirk. I don't know. I know him from Weeds. <laughs> oh. um, but he's seems like... And then is it the other guy that Shiv used leave. to work for or no? I think so, yeah. Okay. And so she was saying that Jared Mankin somehow has like a direct line to ATN, which is like obviously that's like Trump and Fox News, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so she's kind of like, "We can't do this." (laughs) And and that's when she approached Roman and was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and they said they were going to fire. And then Kendall was just like, "That's not okay." Yeah, 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 yeah. So just a lot of a lot of politics going on. (laughs) A lot of moving parts. Mm Hmm. I know. Who would have thought that I'd be so into a show that's, like, about business and politics? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Two of my least favorite topics. <laughs> it's definitely more about the characters, like... Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. All right. Right. Okay, well, I can... Are we done with Succession? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. I think so. I was just looking at my my note. Um, I think that's... I said everything I have to say. If, like... <laughs> Carl, Frank, uh, those other two people I really didn't never heard yeah, of. Who like were all they? the men got cut and and uh Hugo. They all got mm-hmm. were on the kill list. So I'm like, oh no, are, is that the last time we're gonna see them? I hope I not. I hope not. <laughs> I want Carl to get his But Frank, I feel like is just so used to getting fired. Yeah, Frank's like, <laughs> I then, don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> and then Carl, yeah, I want Carl to get his island with his brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those four guys took so much shit. They did. And we talked about a little bit about it yesterday, but whatever. They kept like checking up with the two guys, like Kendall and Roman, before the deal or before the negotiation. They're like, are you sure you don't want to go over? They're like, do we want (laughs) to go through scenarios? Do you want to like practice? Like these idiots know nothing about negotiation. And they're just like, no, we're good. We got it. And it's just like. Yeah. And it also (laughs) just shows like it just shows how much like the old guard has more at stake than these like rich Nepo babies that are just kind of like, whatever. Right. Because they're like, (laughs) Kendall's like, I want to kill the deal. And he doesn't like. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't like understand that that means like people won't get money, money <laughs> like you know yeah. like like people are like waiting for this deal to go through they're so they relying can, like, on it they yeah. can like move on with their lives and he's just like no i'm gonna kill it like just like yeah. it's nothing 
It's just like so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that ultimately the deal will go through or are they going to still try and tank it? I think they're still going to try to tank it. I'm sure it's looking like it's coming to a head where it's going to be like Kendall and Roman versus Shiv and Madsen. Mm -hmm. And well, actually, I don't really know about Roman because Roman seems like he doesn't he doesn't really care. It doesn't seem like to me, like he's just like whatever anybody tells him, he's just like, okay, we'll do that. Okay. We'll do that. Like he's used to being. But he's also been, he's also been very committed. I feel like at least what we saw in this episode, he's committed to like sticking to his word about keeping Shiv in on all of the like big decisions. Yeah. He, well, he's the person that I think wants to do quote unquote the right thing. So if he tells Shiv like, they're gonna like keep her in the loop. He wants to do that. And if he tells if they're if they told their dad they're gonna like honor his wishes of what happens with the company, he wants to do that. Like, you know, and then like Kendall mm-hmm. and Shiv are kind of like the outliers. Um yeah. but he is very easily swayed, it seems like, as well. So yeah. Um it'll be interesting. I know. I feel like the way that everyone got so excited by the offer, I'm like, they're just going to fuck this up somehow. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) Like everyone on the plane was like, great job. And they're like, "Uh, if I had to make a prediction, they're going to tank the deal. And then like the day after, like the second after that happens, the news about Kendall murdering somebody is going to come out. Oh, yeah. and then we still have that gonna, in our then, back pocket. And then, like, the company's just gonna like take a nosedive because of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would guess. But what is about what about Madsen with his blood, his leaders of blood? <laughs> well, yeah, Shiv's the only one that knows about that, so I guess right, it'll she depend on who, like, she ends up aligning herself with. She has. She's got everything in her tool belt. She's got the dirt on everyone. Yeah. Yo. Uh, yeah. And I also feel like Greg is sneakily like a kind of a vessel for information because mm-hmm. people trust him because he's so in like he seems so like uh naive kind of and mm-hmm. But he's always just going around like spouting information to people. So yeah, he's like sneakily a good like resource. He like <laughs> has all the tools to be able to do something with the knowledge he has, but he doesn't have the tools to like properly implement the knowledge <laughs> yeah. he has because he's just right. kind of like a bumbling, doesn't know what he's doing person. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, no judgment. That's how I would be too, probably. But um, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens halfway through the final season. Yeah, I just kind of don't want it to be over, but all good things must come to an end. Yes. So true, Queen. All right. <laughs> I went and saw Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> In the theaters. Because <laughs> my... And... My friend was in town staying with me, and she wanted to go see a scary movie. And I really wanted to go see Bo is Afraid, but me and my husband want to go see that. But I knew that she would, like, not understand what the hell was going on in Bo is Afraid yeah. and just, like, make it not a good experience for me. <laughs> so <laughs> so we went and saw off. 
Evil Dead Rise, <laughs> which is admittedly not my kind of movie, not even my kind of horror movie. I'd actually never seen any of the Evil Dead franchise. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect, but I knew from the trailer alone <laughs> that it was going to be a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just like very over the top, very gory, very like evil. <laughs> and it was dead. all of those things <laughs> in spades. It was literally <laughs> probably the most gory thing I'd ever seen in my life. Really? Um, so to me... There becomes a point in horror where, like, if you go too far, it becomes not scary anymore. I don't know if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Or if it's just, like, too, like, over the top or, like, too, I don't know. It's trying to be scary so hard that it's just, like, unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, people love this franchise and love and and like have rated this movie pretty high. So I don't want to mm-hmm. come in and like be like it was bad, but it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it for what it was, which was supposed to be like an over the top bloodbath horror, yeah, like extravaganza. So that's exactly what it was. But personally, that's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Is that? Is it Sam Raimi who directs the first ones? Um, I don't know. Like, I I don't know the history of, like, the other ones. This director was some Irish guy. Yeah. Who I can't remember. Um, it is Sam Raimi. But he did a good job. Like, it, like, had the vibes. It, like, the effects were good. And um, this was Lee Cronin. Um But basically, the story was, like, there's this single mom, and um, she lives in this, like, with her three kids in this, like, dilapidated apartment, which actually the apartment was really cool. It looked, like, vintage-y, but it was supposed to be, like, about to be condemned, the whole building. Mm -hmm. And um, her sister finds out that she's pregnant and, like, doesn't know what to do. So she, like, surprises her, like, sister because she thinks, like, her sister can help her figure out the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, while they're there in the apartment and there's an earthquake, um, there's they're in L.A., I think. And um, so the kids are all out, like, getting pizza. And then the mom and her sister are, like, back at the apartment. So the kids are in the parking garage when the earthquake happens and the son, like the kids are probably like 16, 14. And then there's like a, like a little one, like a five-year-old. And um, so there's this big hole in the parking garage and like the son is like, ooh, I'm going to go explore down there like an idiot. Of course you are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And he finds this like freaking like book and all these like records and the book literally <laughs> looks evil it's like it has like skin on the cover and it's like heart is beating <laughs> totally if I found that and then he plays these like old ass records on he's like a DJ so he has like turntables and stuff he like plays these old ass records like over his speakers and it's like this priest like saying some like incantation oh my and God. so of course it like activates this demon from the book summoning the spirits so basically the demon goes out and like it gets into his mom so the mom basically 
is dead from that point. Like the demon killed her and then took over her body. And then the mom (laughs) comes back and is just like trying to kill everybody, all of the kids and and her sister. So the sister has to like figure out how to like save the kids. And like, basically, it's like about being a mother. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the plight of motherhood. And at the end, yeah. And at the end, the sister, I don't know, spoilers if you want to see this movie. But at the end, like the mom ends up like... Um, what it's not infesting. What does a demon do? Um, uh, oh, infest. what's the word? <laughs> no, um, uh, possesses. Possess the, the yes. mom possesses like the older two kids, so they're they're dead, they're gone. But the sister, um, is able to save the little girl, and so is basically like, oh, she's gonna be okay. Like she can have her baby. Like it's gonna be okay. She can like figure this out because obviously now she has to take care of this other baby, <laughs> this dot oh the God. little girl. But it was so bloody. There was like, um. They did the whole like the shining, the elevator filled with blood thing oh, that really? was like in the movie. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. There was like homages to like other horror movies like within it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there was a lot of evil afoot. <laughs> evil deadness. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, I forgot to say at the very beginning of the movie, it opens like in a cabin in this other girl is like possessed by the demon but it kind of like she like kills her friends at the cabin but then it kind of has the title card and it cuts away to like the story of the mom so you don't really know why you saw that part but then at the end you see like because the sister had put the mom and the kids and everybody that got possessed into like um what are those like wood chipper (laughs) things Mm -hmm. so they were all chopped up so they couldn't like get her but this girl <laughs> at the very end goes into the parking garage and, like, is getting into her car to go to this cabin. And she gets possessed by, I guess, the demon that, like, is looking for a new host in the parking garage. So then she's, like, out in the world and goes to the cabin. And, like, so that happened afterwards, basically. Oh, okay. You didn't know that the whole movie. So basically, it's, like, setting it up for, like, okay, now this demon's, like, on the loose. And there right. will probably be more. <laughs> so <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, it was like just so... The actress that played the mom, the one that got possessed, mm-hmm. I was actually like watching it like... Actually, that would probably be a really fun like role to get to play mm-hmm. just because you get to do so much like weird stuff with your body and like yeah. just be evil. <laughs> and like there's a part where the daughter like turns into the demon too and like you can just see like when she's like at the first time she's like you can tell she's the demon I'm like that would probably be fun like when you're shooting you'd be like I get to be the demon today like (laughs) like you get excited for like that yeah you would love that (laughs) (laughs) like she just like used her like and you could tell it wasn't like CGI like she was like using her body like in such a creepy Mm -hmm disgusting way and I was like that would be fun (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably throw out my neck or something (laughs) like I was wondering if she did because she looked horrendous (laughs) but yeah that's evil dead rise (laughs) (laughs) did you give it a rating I didn't give it a rating 
I'd probably give it like three and a half just because I was like fully like obviously the sound design also was so crazy like it was so loud in the theater like it was almost like Mm -hmm. too loud to where I was like my eardrums are bursting but I could I could see (laughs) if like the like theater was packed with people that like love these movies how that would be like fun and like Mm -hmm. it just seemed like people were like into like wanting to see like how these kills happen and like stuff like that so yeah, I know. That I think the- for what it was trying to be, it succeeded. And like the story kept me like, I was like, what the hell is going to happen? Like, how are they going to get out of this? Because I was like, there's no way they're going to survive. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like they're on the like top floor of this apartment. The elevator was broken. The staircase collapsed. I was like, how do you get out of this? I don't know. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that the original to have like a big cult following so yeah that's always kind of fun like yeah. you said with Dungeons and Dragons it's like I'm happy for these people <laughs> that are yeah I'm happy there. for the fans and <laughs> yeah, I, fans. I didn't have a bad time I was just like not scared yeah um. <laughs> <laughs> my ideal <laughs> um, well that's fun um I watched a whole series over the course of like two days Mm-hmm. And so you've you've all probably heard of it by now. Uh, it's Jury Duty, which is on Amazon Prime Freebie, um, and it's so good. If you haven't watched it, everyone, pause this episode and go watch it right now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna Including say any spoilers. Me. <laughs> yeah, Michelle hasn't watched it yet, so I'm not gonna spoil anything. I just wanted to touch on it because I had such a good time watching this show and um, for those that don't know it's basically um, the premise is the production of this show put out like a Craigslist um, listing for it was like basically like a a casting call for people to volunteer or not volunteer they'll be paid but people to serve on a jury and under the guise of like it being a documentary about the process of like serving jury duty so they had all of these people apply and then they picked this one guy and put him into jury duty but what he doesn't know is that every single other person around him is an actor yeah. and they're all in on like the show. And so it's basically like a Truman show situation where it's just this one guy who's like out of the loop and everyone else is like playing a part and it's all, you know, fake and all of that kind of stuff. But it's just funny and they have to be sequestered. So they're spending a lot of time together and like all of these hijinks ensue. And and it's fun because this guy knows that they're filming like a documentary. So it's Mm -hmm. not exactly like a hidden camera situation. Like he has his own confessionals with his, like I'm assuming they gave everyone their own camera to like film themselves in their rooms when they're not like serving on the jury just to kind of like give their thoughts and like, you know, what's going on and like all of that kind of stuff. So you get this Mm -hmm. guy's like candid thoughts about like all of these other people who are like acting like fools around him (laughs) and it's just really funny. And so I highly encourage everyone to go watch. Like I said, I watched the entire thing in like two days. I think there's 10 episodes, eight or 10. It's it's such a good concept. Yeah, I know. And like my friend was saying like, 
I hope that they filmed like more like more of these before they released this one because it would be kind of hard to like pull off again now that mm-hmm. everyone's like seen it and like yeah. knows I guess the process that they did mm-hmm. um but I was trying to think of like other kind of like similar situations that they could use as like a, a the framework for it you know Getting like civic, civil duties <laughs> yeah going to a DMV or something yeah. even though you don't do that for like you don't do that days. In multiple days yeah well like yeah, a focus just stuff group like that. a focus group would be good that could be good yeah um i think it's volunteering just at like something oh and something i know a lot of people have trouble kind of like watching stuff that's like mean-spirited or, or anything like that and this show is not that like it's not mean-spirited they're you know they're doing some crazy stuff but it's not like you know, this innocent guy yeah. isn't like gonna it's not get like, his feelings gotcha. hurt or anything like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So, just yeah, if you're worried about that, um, I wouldn't let that be a hindrance not to you, <laughs> right? And I didn't mention, but James Marsden is kind of the really there's a there's a few people in it that I recognize, but like a normal average person probably wouldn't recognize them, um, mm-hmm. especially if they they it took place in LA. So I feel like. When you're in LA, you're kind of like, you know, everyone looks like somebody. My friend made that point to me and I was like, yeah, that's true. But James Marsden is like the only like real recognizable person in it. So he's playing himself and he's like, I'm famous. Like, I don't I don't want to be serving on this jury. And yeah, (laughs) it just adds a whole aspect of like the actual like famous person who's serving jury duty in LA (laughs) like type of thing. Like, he's not above the law. Yeah, I will be watching that probably this week. Do it. And then we can talk about it next week. So maybe week. we can do, like, a spoiler segment next yeah. week where we talk about actual things from it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of little tidbits that'll be fun to discuss. All but right. But, yeah, that's, a, that's really all I watched of note notoriety (laughs) we've been busy in the real world we've been a little busy um so since it's still of course tourist season we're celebrating um our watching up this week is tourist themed and we both picked um movies by the tourist queen sofia coppola that we wanted to watch um so this segment of watching up will include spoilers for lost in translation and somewhere by sophia coppola um and i can go first if you want go for it i'm ready to know what you thought okay i watched lost in translation by from 2003 directed by sophia coppola and the synopsis says everybody wants to be found two lost souls visiting tokyo the young neglected wife of a photographer and a washed up movie star shooting a tv commercial find an odd solo an odd solace and pensive freedom to be real in each other's company away from their lives in America. Um, and okay. So basically Scarlett Johansson plays the young photographer's wife, which I didn't realize, but she's literally 17 when they film this. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the, sh- in the movie, she's supposed to be like maybe 21 and, Bill Murray plays like the washed up movie star who um, left his family to go to Tokyo and film this like whiskey, Japanese whiskey commercial. 
I guess because his job opportunities are drying up in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But um, this movie was vibes. That's like the best way I can describe it. <laughs> it's like yeah. Sofia Coppola. One thing she's really good at is just like create cultivating her very personalized vibe throughout mm-hmm. like her movies with the music and the cinematography and kind of the just like the general attitudes of her characters which I guess is similar to a lot of the directors we've talked about but um mm-hmm. she just it's like really she has a really specific point of view and a really specific personality um that I think I relate to because I'm a Taurus and so is she just kidding but um so I I I really enjoyed watching the movie. Like I enjoyed I always enjoy looking at Tokyo. It seems like a really mm-hmm. cool place to visit. Yeah, me too. Um, I didn't even I don't I knew it was like in Asia, but I don't think I knew it was like set in Tokyo. Um and I liked the story and I honestly like I think a lot of people had reservations about like the relationship that Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson have in the movie but I honestly like liked their relationship Mm -hmm. because it wasn't super it wasn't like super like sexual or anything like that you could tell they were kind of crosses that line right well they they do kiss at the end but um yeah it wasn't like you couldn't really tell the entire movie if it was more like a father-daughter relationship or like a friend Mm -hmm. relationship or like a like romantic relationship it was just kind of ambiguous which one it was (laughs) (laughs) and so I think a lot of people were like it's problematic that she was like 17 and he was like 49 or something but I'm like I don't know we've had this conversation before like at the end of the day no one forces you to be in a role in a movie like you know hopefully not yeah yeah so I really enjoyed it I thought both of the lead actors did a really good job um Mm -hmm. and then wasn't Anna Ferris in it Anna Ferris is in it and Giovanni Ribisi I love him. <laughs> he was like I can't explain asshole. my love for Giovanni. He was, he was like this <laughs> asshole photographer. Like he was supposed to be like a really cool, like cool guy, which I thought was funny because like yeah. I feel like he never plays that part. Right. And um, he was supposed to be like this asshole, and he kept like leaving her to like go to like jobs and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I just first of all, the like first maybe. 10 to 15 minutes of movie there's like no dialogue it's just like oh my them gosh being like okay. depressed in Tokyo and like looking out the window yeah. and like just like being well there's dialogue but like just being like lost in translation like not really knowing what everyone's <laughs> talking about or doing and like right um I was just like I couldn't really relate to that very much because I was like the things I would find to get into if I was like in Tokyo on a free trip like you know like I just really didn't understand um but I guess it was trying to speak to like where he is in life yeah it was more of a metaphor I think and that was another thing that I saw that people were really critiquing was the way that the Japanese people and culture were kind of portrayed in the movie um I didn't really get 
a bad vibe from it, but at the beginning, you can tell that like Bill Murray's getting like agitated because this director's like yelling at him in Japanese and he doesn't understand like the direction he's being given. And the translator is like telling him things, but he doesn't really know if that's like word for word what the director is like saying to him. And um, mm-hmm. so I was just like, I just, I just thought of it more as like, um, like a picture of this one person being frustrated. I didn't see it as like right. she's saying like everybody in Japan is like yelling and like <laughs> like it's like yeah. chaotic like that. Right. Um, so I think that's what some people like had bad to say about it. Um, that and there and then like an inappropriate like age gap relationship basically. Um, Right. But I really liked the movie. I'll probably rewatch it. Um there's a really some really good songs, soundtrack and um some good performances. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I gave it 4 stars. Yeah, I need to rewatch it. I gave it I gave it 4 stars and I couldn't think of anything like super <laughs> clever to say, so I didn't put yeah. it with you, but I gave it 4 stars. Yeah. Cool. I definitely need to rewatch it. I still think Marie Antoinette is like my top one. Mm-hmm. But I like that one too. I like this one too. Yeah. Nice. I I haven't watched it in a while, so I really do need to rewatch it. But I just remember like after I do remember like after I finished watching it, I was kind of like, I don't know how I felt about that. Like I didn't, I don't remember really having any issues with like the age gap, even though, you know, I recognize that as a thing. Um, Right. But, but yeah, I don't know. I need, I definitely need to give it a rewatch, but I, I do remember loving like the Tokyo setting, like you said, and even like inside of the hotel, just kind of like, it's very much a vibe, like at the hotel bar mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, Bill Murray's I good. Did, I did notice like a pattern with her movies. I feel like where she just like loves being able to like shoot in these like crazy locations. <laughs> and part mm-hmm. of me feels like she writes these movies around the location so that she can like yeah be there yeah. and like do this stuff so like Tokyo like at Versailles like I think yours was in France right or somewhere like that. some of it is in Italy Italy yeah yeah so I just Um, thought that was funny yeah well good I'm glad you liked it and I'm glad you were finally able to check it off your list yes yeah so as you were talking about it and I knew like when I was watching my the film that I watched which was somewhere from 2010 um I was kind of like, this, I feel like, is kind of mirrors lost in translation a little Mm -hmm. bit. And as you were talking about, like, some of the details, I was like, okay, it really mirrors lost in translation, apparently. Mm -hmm. And I I think part of that is just kind of like her, her, uh, Sofia Coppola's, like, hallmarks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of her stories are dealing with, like, uh, father-daughter relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's what Somewhere is. Um, So... I can go ahead and get into it. Yeah, jump on in. Okay, so Somewhere is, as I said, a film from 2010. Um, The synopsis says, After withdrawing to the Chateau Marmont, a passionless Hollywood actor re-examines his life when his 11-year-old daughter surprises him with a visit. And so this movie stars Stephen Dorff and Elle Fanning in the two 
kind of central roles. And there's a lot of uh, side actors like Ellie Kemper and Michelle Monaghan who are in it just for very short periods of time. So it's really just the two main actors. Um, But basically, similarly to Lost in Translation, this movie starts with like 15 minutes of zero, basically zero dialogue at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of is just following this man uh, his name is Johnny Marco, who is, like it says, it's, he's a washed up actor. Um, or sorry, passionless. He's not exactly washed up. He's still famous. But um, it's kind of following him throughout his life. He's got, for some reason, he's got like a cast on his arm. Seemingly, he got into some sort of altercation or accident or something like that. Um, he's looking very kind of rugged. He clearly smoked smoking cigarettes and drinking a lot, probably doing drugs. And it seems like he gets, this man gets a lot of girls, okay? He is sleeping with a lot of women. Um, There's this funny part where it like, (laughs) he's like going about his day and then all of a sudden it cuts to like him uh, sitting alone on his bed watching these two like strippers in his Chateau Marmont room like doing a dance ram <laughs> to the Foo Fighters <laughs> and they're just There's like funny dancing on their scenes in Lost in Translation too yeah, yeah. and so it, it's just like they have their little like collapsible poles set up and they're just like <laughs> doing a pole dance for him <laughs> and and then about 10 more minutes go by of no dialogue he's just living his life and then we cut to another scene of the same two strippers doing a dance ram <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just very fun um, I, I feel like I was thinking about like I feel like Sofia Coppola and Wes Anderson kind of live in the same place in my brain for some reason um, mm-hmm. not that they're like stylistically the same or anything like that but I feel like they're both very good at just using like their camera positioning as a joke basically like like sometimes the camera will be like comically far away from like their subject mm-hmm. or it'll be like comically still while the subject is like moving in and out mm-hmm. of frame or whatever, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that definitely like rang true in this movie where, you know, the women were doing their pole dance and then like the camera was still on the poles and they were like sliding down out of frame like on their poles and you could just <laughs> see their feet like dangling up from the frame. It was just very funny in that way um but basically after this 15 minutes of no dialogue we see him um interacting with his daughter who's played by Elle Fanning and um it seems like they have a very good relationship but she spends most of her time with her mother which I think they've like recently split up um it seems like Mm -hmm. and so he's just kind of like you know he's a famous actor so he's not really around a lot and you know, all of that kind of stuff, which I was like, is this kind of like a Sofia Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> type of situation? Could it be? Could it be? <laughs> Writing about her own life experience? Um, but yeah, so they, you know, they have an interaction. And then one day she like shows up outside of his room and is just like sitting there waiting with all her stuff. And so he's just like, come in. And so they're, you know, they spend a few days together. And then finally he hears from her mom and she's basically saying like, I need you to take, uh, what's her name? I need you to take Cleo to camp. Um, 
I'm like gonna be gone for a while and then he's like when are you coming back and she's like I don't know and so he's just she's just kind of like left their daughter with him yeah and so he's like well I have you know stuff to do he's on like a press tour for one of his movies and so there's a scene where they go to uh to Italy and this felt very similar to what you were saying about like her um portrayal of of Japanese people. It was like the same with, I feel like the Italian characters where I know Sofia Coppola is Italian. So it's like Mm -hmm. a little different, but, but yeah, it was just kind of like she portrayed them in this very kind of like chaotic way and Mm -hmm. (laughs) where it was just like, this is so foreign. Um, He's like at an award show in Italy and he's like receiving this award. And um, all of a sudden, like these women come out and start like dancing around him and it's just like very very strange it just it feels like she's trying to portray like a culture shock type of thing but yeah that's what I think too it wasn't like as much of like portraying the culture as like how these Americans are experiencing the culture if that makes sense yeah yeah Yeah, I I think so too um but basically it goes on so I think one of the similarities between this and Lost in Translation is like it's very much not very plotty. Like it's very much driven by just kind of these people's experiences and like mm-hmm. emotions. And it's not like really anything big happens or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm remembering Lost in Translation correctly. But yeah, it's just about their relationship. Like nothing happens. Yeah. Really. Like nothing huge happens. Yeah, and so this is is it, this movie was similar. It was a very like quiet. I actually looked up this movie is or this script is forty three pages, which is kind of crazy. Um, for anyone listening who doesn't know, uh, when it comes to screenwriting, the rule of thumb is kind of one page of script equals one minute of screen time so uh, you know in theory a 90 minute or a 90 page script would result in like a 90 minute movie yeah and so the fact that this movie is 98 minutes and only has 43 pages of script is like kind of crazy but I was like after watching it I'm like yeah that that tracks (laughs) there's really not a lot of like dialogue so yeah I mean there wasn't a whole ton of like big like I don't know, like emotional moments or anything like that. It was just this guy having a relationship with his daughter. I think the point of it was that like when she comes into his life and is kind of like dropped in his lap, he starts to like reevaluate a Mm -hmm. lot of his choices and stuff like that. And kind of is like prioritizing being a father. Um, So that's kind of just like the character development for him. But um, one of my things with this movie, I'm not very familiar with Steven Dorff or like his work or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I looked up like what he's been in, I saw that he was in the Britney Spears music video every time. And I was like, that's probably where I know him from because oh I watched gosh. that video so many times when it came out. <laughs> that's funny. Me and my friends would like that's the watch one in it the over and over. Yeah, very depressing <laughs> music video. Um, so I wasn't like very familiar with him. I thought that his performance was great. Like him and Elle Fanning were both great. But I kind of felt like with such a quiet film, it helps to be able to like tie a persona to that, especially when he's like supposed to be a famous actor in this world. Yeah. And this is probably just a me problem, like I said, because I'm not familiar with him. 
Um, so I was kind of, it's just kind of like every time the camera went to him, I was expecting to see Timothy Oliphant <laughs> because oh, they kind of look alike, but he's like, mm-hmm. he's like the more recognizable version of that person yeah. to me. And so I was like, I kind of wish this was Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> but, Interesting. but yeah, again, that's, that was probably just a me problem because I've seen a lot of people like praising him for this role, which like I said, he was great. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually give it a rating because it was just so quiet. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it's just one of those types of movies where afterwards I'm just kind of like, I don't know what I would rate this. I just kind of like watched it and I enjoyed it, but I don't know. It just didn't like, I don't know. It didn't like make a huge imprint on my life or anything like that. So yeah. Um, but I have heard a lot of people say this is like their favorite Sofia Coppola movie. Oh wow! Um, I need to watch it. Yeah, you should watch it. It was it was good. Like I said, the performances kind of are the standout of it um, because there isn't much of a plot. But I think my favorite Sofia Coppola is still The Virgin Suicides, which was her first one. I haven't seen that either. But this movie does close out with a Phoenix song, <laughs> which I think I think Phoenix is in a lot of her movies, and obviously she's married to the lead singer, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um i did enjoy it and can't say what i rated it because i didn't rate it <laughs> Woohoo, sophia i know i there's i want to see the beguiled have you seen the beguiled Mm-mm. that's one that i need to see yeah i want to watch all of them i want to watch all her movies we need more female directors mm-hmm. i know all righty so that is our Sofia Coppola segment. Um, next week, we decided to kind of do something a little different, and um, we wanted to explore a director that neither one of us have seen any of their work. Um, so we're going to watch Pedro Almodovar's Woman on, the, Woman on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Yeah. And we're both going to watch it, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. The first time we've watched the same movie. Baby's first Almodovar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Cool. There's several of his films that I've like wanted to to watch, but I just haven't. So I'm excited to see what it's all about. Yes. So maybe this will be a gateway to our new favorite director. We shall see. (laughs) Yeah. Watch us come back next week and be like, we hated it. Um. <laughs> I'm never watching anything if I'm Nah, that's not us. That's not our vibe. Only time will tell. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. that's our show for today. Short but sweet one because we had to make up for our two hour monstrosity yeah. that was last week. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at watching up pod, TikTok at watching up pod. Yeah. A new platform. We're talking now. <laughs> um, email us if you have any suggestions, comments um, at watching up pod at gmail.com and we'll be back next Thursday. See you then. Yes, we will. See you then. Bye. Bye. (laughs) No, no, that's all I have to say.